What's good, everybody? You're now listening in to the Truth Pace Podcast. I am your host, Joe Jesse. On today's episode, we're going to get into some UFC talk. We're going to talk about a big fight coming up this weekend between Conor McGregor and Khabib Nurmagomedov. Yeah, I know how to say that shit. Plus, I want to get into what's been going on with welterweight champ Tyron Woodley. And why I feel like he hasn't been getting the proper respect that that man deserves. Homie is a legend. A legend you've probably never seen. And then we're going to finish up with a story that... Not my brightest moment, but... If you got a younger sibling, you'll understand. As always, to those of you who've subscribed, shout out to you. I appreciate it. If you're listening for the first time, what's good? Real people, real topics, real funny, real talk. It's truth paced. That's what we're here for. Brush up. Let's get it. Alright, welcome back. So, first off, congratulations to the champ, Tyron Woodley, successfully defending his title against Darren Till this weekend, finishing him off with uh, the Darce choke in the second round. That was unexpected. Shout out to whoever went for submission in the prop bets. I'm sure you didn't expect that one to happen, considering uh, Woodley's known for having some knockout power, but to catch somebody with a darce not only to catch him with it but to actually get him to tap at this high of a level is very impressive he also got his black belt jiu-jitsu after pulling that one off so congrats for that as well a um, few things i want to talk about with tyree we're going to talk a little bit about this fight and what it means moving forward Wanted to talk a little bit about the relationship that he has with the UFC, specifically with Dana White. And then lastly, we're going to talk about the elephant in the room, who everyone wants to see him fight next. So first, with this last performance, I mean, kudos, did his thing. A lot of people considered Woodley to be an underdog because of Till's size, um, you know, his length. He was, he was undefeated at the time coming in at 17-0. Uh, really, you know, having a great performance with his last fight and Woodley coming off somewhat of a hiatus a little over a year since the last time he fought. A lot of people thinking he was going to have some ring rust. That was not the case whatsoever. A right hand put Teal down and then uh, it was kind of just, you know, all she wrote after that. But <clears throat> one thing that I've I've noticed and what a lot of people I would hope are starting to notice is the fighting style of Woodley as it pertains to the ability to sell pay-per-views. Now there's this notion that Tyron, Tyron Woodley fights are not entertaining. No one wants to see him fight. He's not a draw. You know what I mean? He's not a draw like the other. If you want to compare him to other champions, obviously you can't compare him to Conor McGregor. Uh, you want to compare him to Daniel Cormier at the time, Stipe, if you, you know, even Demetrius Johnson, which honestly I think is the most appropriate comparison considering both parties 
don't really get as much promotion or as much publicity as they both respectively feel and as many fans of these two fighters feel. But that kind of leads me into the second point about the relationship that he has with the UFC, mainly Dana White. So for anyone who, you know, kind of pays any attention to MMA, you understand the relationship that Woodley and Dana White have. And if you don't, the best way I could sum sum it up is, imagine if you had five children and every single one of your five children, when it's dinner time, all five children are told that they're going to get an equal amount of dinner so that all five of them can respectfully, you know, they all can eat the same amount. Well, over time what happens is some kids get bigger than others. They require more food. Um, some kids maybe achieve something, so maybe they maybe get a little bit more on that particular one. But there's one kid in particular, and this kid being Tyrod Woodley, who feels he hasn't been given the opportunity to get more food. He hasn't been given the opportunity to achieve anything to, to make more food. But he believes he's growing. He believes that he has grown to the point where he feels he should be deserving of more food. He feels that the things that he's accomplished and continues to accomplish defending this title are things that you know, would merit him getting more food. Thus, food in this metaphor being money, money, attention, promotion, notoriety, so be it. I want the same treatment that the other champions are getting. With the exception of Demetrius Johnson, because that in itself is, that's a whole nother thing in itself. Um, you know, the relationship that Dana has with uh, Demetrius Johnson and it'd be interesting to see how that relationship transforms now that Demetrius isn't the champion anymore but there's always been this back and forth between Woodley and White about how Woodley feels he doesn't get the same type of treatment as a Conor McGregor as a Stipe Miocic as really any of the Caucasian fighters that happen to be champions and even some that aren't champions but seem to get favorable draws on cards or seem to get more of a push in the promotions. TJ Dillashaw before he was champion. You know, Cody Garbrandt while he was champion. These types of guys. You know, you wanna you wanna put it into perspective. I personally feel that there was more uh, granted there was more of a story um, surrounding TJ Dillashaw, but I also felt that like during that time both TJ and Cody because you know there's a story surrounding that because of history, but I also felt that after TJ had won the first fight that there was a lot more done as far as getting people to become more familiar with, with Dillashaw. Not to say that that wasn't the right move. I think that that was the right move for the company. He's the new champion. He's an incredible fighter um, who potentially could, you know, be a, a, a two-division champion as he wanted a super fight with Demetrius Johnson while he was champion. Now that he's not champion, we'll see how that goes. Maybe DJ decides to go up and wait, take that strap from TJ. But <clears throat> for a long time, Woodley and White have had this back and forth. And I was watching a post-fight interview with Ariel, I think it's Hawani, and Chael Sonnen. Ariel and the Bad Guy is the name of their, their show. 
and they had Woodley on after, and they were talking to him kind of about the fight, and just in a little breakdown. And Ariel, who doesn't have the greatest relationship with Dana White, mainly because Dana thinks that he's a snake and he leaks information pertaining to the business of the UFC. The business of the UFC, meaning fights that could potentially be put on a card or insider information as to why fighters really have pulled out of fights that could hurt the the overall business as far as like from a consumer standpoint so you don't mention it but ariel mentions it nonetheless so you know dana's not too fond of ariel so keep that in mind when i mention this so ariel asks Tyrod, he says, you know, after the fight, I watched Dana go through a few interviews and it just seemed like he was trying, he was trying to, to convince people of this notion that you're a boring fighter. No one wants to watch you fight, but you know, it, it looked like there was a lot of people in the arena tonight, you know, he's saying there's not really much of a pay-per-view draw. It seems like there were a lot of people tuned in for this fight. Chael Sonnen himself even said that, you know, Dana has this notion that Woodley isn't popular. Excuse me. That Woodley isn't popular. But Chael brought up the point that he heard plenty of people chanting USA. USA as Woodley's fighting Till, who's from England. So this narrative isn't necessarily true. You compound that with what Woodley's doing on Fox as a commentator and an analyst, killing it over there. What he's doing on TMZ with his own sports and fight segment on there. He's killing it and is very popular there. He's growing popularity in all these different avenues. So why would it be so difficult to promote somebody like that? Personally, I think the only, the only difficulty promoting somebody like that who's really good at everything is because you don't want to promote them at all. He's getting all the FaceTime on his own with his own abilities. There's not a lot of work that you need to necessarily do. So why not take the machines that he's using to promote what it is that he's doing? If he has to be the one to promote his own fight and he's the champion, he's the undisputed, reigning, defending UFC welterweight champion, he shouldn't have to be the one doing all his own promo. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to say too much, but... I mean, you can draw some similarities to the treatment of Woodley and Demetrius Johnson. I don't want to use John Jones as the as an example because everything John Jones did, he did to himself, shot himself in the foot numerous times with his actions and behavior. I believe Dana likes Daniel Cormier. But if you can market Daniel Cormier, I don't understand why you can't market Tyrod Woodley. They do the same thing. One is a light heavyweight heavyweight. The other one is a welterweight borderline middleweight Woodley could fight middleweight if he wanted to I don't see why it's so difficult my only belief is that Dana doesn't want to because either he doesn't like Woodley he doesn't believe in Woodley or he's he's discriminatory fuck it let's say it either Dana's racist or he discriminates I mean, what more do you want? I mean, you got a guy who's out here knocking people out. He's got one punch power. Everyone loves to see that. Now he's showing you he's well-rounded, pulling out the submissions. We know he's a wrestler. I mean, I don't, 
it is what it is but with all that being said maybe this can change all of that so the elephant in the room who everyone wants to see Woodley fight next and the answer three letters G S P George St. Pierre for a while Woodley used to think or at least from what I've read he used to believe that he had to beat GSP to be considered the greatest welterweight of all time and it wasn't until after this most recent fight that he kind of changed that belief understanding that he already is the greatest welterweight of all time his reason behind that is because he feels that he's wiped out the last generation of great champions kind of the last wave of fighters that came around in an attempt to defeat GSP after GSP had already left and retired. Now, after defeating that wave, he's now taking on the newcomers, groups of people that, as he put it, it wasn't wrestlers who learned how to throw a punch. It wasn't boxers who learned how to, you know, do some jujitsu. You know, these are guys that are well-rounded from the jump. They come in and they learn everything. So they're putting it all together as a package, as opposed to, I'm really, really good at this one thing. I just gotta learn this other part to make sure that I'm well-rounded. No, I'm gonna learn everything all at once. And Woodley's taking on these guys and he's beating them. So in his mind, he's thinking, I beat the, the last wave of the best and I'm beating the new wave best. So how could I not be the best welterweight champion? He's got an argument. But a lot of people would bring up GSP and the argument stopped. Well, did you beat him? And honestly, does he need to? No, I don't think so. I don't think he needs to beat GSP to be considered the greatest welterweight of all time. Would it be an entertaining fight? Sure, considering both of them are incredible wrestlers. I personally would think Woodley would... I think he'd win just because he's got more punching power than GSP. But from a tactical standpoint, I mean, it's not, I don't think it's going to be as easy as just do, 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 bang. GSP goes to sleep. I think it's going to be like, it'd be like a third, fourth round type of deal. Long drawn out. Someone just gets caught with a hand. You know what I mean? Gets caught with a fist in the face. Bayow. It is what it is. But at the same time, I think that it would... If there's anyone who can expose holes in Willie's game, it's most likely GSP because of how well-rounded he is. He's going to spot some inefficiency that you or deficiency that you have, and he's going to exploit it. That's a, you know, he's a tactical fighter. He's that type of fighter. But fuck, man, Woodley, Woodley could just throw one of them bombs and put your ass to sleep. So. I don't know, man. I'd like to see that fight happen. They asked him, you know, who he wanted to fight next. And Willie said, every time I make a comment about who I want to fight, I never get who I want to fight. And the UFC just does something. So I'm done. I'm done with the business of choosing an opponent. I'm going to let them figure it out. I'm going to let them choose who it is I'm going to fight. And, you know, I'm going to whoop their ass when it's time for it. I don't know what more you want from a champion. So shout out to Tyron Woodley. Congratulations to you, my brother, successfully defending that strap. Maybe you'll fight GSP in the future, but if you end up fighting GSP, that will be the first, most, and unfortunately probably the last time Tyron Woodley will ever see a level of promotion like that. 
Is it because he hasn't gotten the promotion and he deserves it? No, that's probably not why they're doing it. They're probably going to do it because it's way more marketable and profitable for them to try to sell you on GSP coming back after winning the middleweight belt from Michael Bisping to come back and reclaim the throne as the welterweight champion. I mean, it makes for a great story. It makes for a great story. But in reality, you know, it's not, it's not what it is. But Hell, we all deserve to be entertained, right? All right, so on October 6th at the T-Mobile Arena, we've got Khabib Nurmagomedov versus Conor McGregor for what a lot of people believe is the lightweight championship of the world. Oh, it's going down. But that card itself is pretty stacked. You got Tony Ferguson versus Anthony Pettis, which is a fight that a lot of people who are casual fans are going to sleep on, but don't. I'd watch that fight for two reasons. One, Tony Ferguson's just coming off of a knee injury. And for real, for real, he is the lightweight champ. He's never been beaten for the belt. Won the interim title. Only got injured during training. Before he was supposed to fight Khabib. Now that's the fight everybody wants to see. It's Tony versus Khabib. That fight supposed to, was supposed to happen like two, three times. And it just never happened for different reasons. Khabib almost died trying to make weight one time. Then Tony gets injured this last time. So now that he's off of that injury, I guess they're giving him a warm-up fight. Which Anthony Pettis is no warm-up fight. Homie is on another level when it comes to striking <clears throat> kind of on like a kind of on like the downside of kind of his stardom coming out of I think WEC is where he was fighting I mean he came out of WEC with all this hype because of some of these spectacular kicks that he had he had uh, one kick where he jumped off of the cage and kicked somebody in the face and that's kind of what got his buzz going was was that strike right there so you just got a guy with some very creative strikes light heavyweight Ovin St. Prue versus Dominic Reyes Dominic Reyes is undefeated so if he can beat Ovin St. Prue I mean he's going to keep making his way up the light heavyweight ranks trying to get to that title and then Derek Lewis versus Alexander Volkov heavyweight fight if you know anything about Derek Lewis you know that that man's got dynamite in both hands. Unfortunately, the last fight we saw him in was against um, Nganu, Francis Nganu. And both those guys can put you to sleep with one shot. So it was kind of, I don't want to say it was a boring fight, but you saw both guys clearly, clearly respected each other's hands. But let's talk a little bit about the main event. That's really what everyone's watching for. Now, you've got two groups of fans. You've got the casual fan, and then you've got the diehard fan. Let's talk to the casual fan. The casual fan, the story behind this is that one day, Conor McGregor and a bunch of his homies ran down on a UFC bus full of fighters in Brooklyn and wanted to get Khabib off that bus to beat his ass. To the point where Conor McGregor grabbed a dolly, 
a dolly hand truck and chucked that bitch at the bus, breaking the window, causing damages to not only the vehicle, but several fighters. I believe three of them had cuts. One of them uh, had his, his cornea cut, I think, or his eye, something with the glass in his eye. One of, one of the girls on the bus was Rose. I can't remember her last name, but she's the current, I believe she's the current uh, strawweight champion. <clears throat> and she was having a, a huge fight um, that night, and she ended up still fighting and winning, but, I mean, I, I guess she still got, like, some, some PTSD from that whole ordeal, and rightfully so, I mean, that shit was fucking crazy, but, um, so, for the casual fan, you've got that, so imagine, like, somebody's trying to attack you with a dolly, throw some shit at you, trying to break a bus to get to you, ultimately, you're gonna be like, okay, fuck this dude, it's time to fight, now, if you're smart, you may ask the question, well, why was he upset in the first place, Conor McGregor, why was he upset in the first place, well, what's the only reason people get upset about things, disrespect, so apparently, one of Conor McGregor's teammates, I believe, had an altercation, with uh, some some gentlemen that are part of Khabib's camp, they caught they caught homie, cornered him backstage. Khabib pretty much son, oh boy, like you know that you know like how your dad puts his hand behind your head, like grips the back of your head and just looking at you, like the fuck is wrong with you. Like, but he's gripping your head to where you can't move. So if you try to look away, I could just grab your shit and just turn your head. If you try to get away, I could just grab your shit and fucking, you know, try to just hold you there in place. And then he got slapped up a little bit. Not punched. He got slapped up a little bit by Khabib. This is Khabib grabbing old boy, right? So imagine, like, you mess with one of the little homies. The big homie comes and grips you up, paws, and is like, lap, lap, slaps you up and shit. <clears throat> That's basically what happened. Connor caught wind of that. He and his boys are in Ireland. They fly from Ireland to Brooklyn, get to the arena, manage to get past security because you know it's Connor. You know what I mean. And I believe uh, one of somebody from Connor's camp was fighting that card or was working that card or something. So they had uh, they had access enough access to where someone could open a back door. You feel me? And so they ran in and ran down on Khabib off of that shit. Ever since then, there's just been talk back and forth between the two of them. Not, like, nothing directly, though. It's just little shots, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, Khabib, after that whole shit went down, Khabib put out a post. This nigga looked cold-hearted. He put out a post that was like, look, send me it. He was dead ass, too. He's like, send me a dress. You send me a dress. I show up. We settle this. We fight. Send me a dress. You chicken. You chicken. He keeps calling Connor a chicken. He refers to Connor McGregor as the biggest chicken in lightweight division. Easiest fight in lightweight division is Connor McGregor. Connor Chicken McGregor, right? So he keeps calling this fool a chicken. Connor 
I, I mean, he, you know, he's he on Instagram. He's thrown, he's thrown his shots, and God bless him because fucking Khabib's not gonna hold this fight up in regards to like what what we need, you know, for the shit talking. Connor's Connor's in charge of all of that. You know what I mean? Like he's doing all that shit. And so there was a post that Connor had put out. Um, basically, you know, talking shit, uh, talking shit about, you know, oh, here it is. A true Chechen would never assist in a Dagestani-led attack (coughs) on another Chechen. A true Chechen would never take orders from a Dagestani man. This is treason. There is no worse than treason. So you're like, okay, what the fuck is Dagestani? And what the fuck is Connor talking about? Well, Dagestan is officially the Republic of Dagestan is a federal subject of Russia located in the North Caucasus region. God, I can't talk this morning. I believe that has reference to where Khabib is from. And some of that lineage in history, because he's Russian, let's see where he's from, he is from the Sumendisky district of Russia, I don't know what that means, but all I know is that where he's from, these motherfuckers are some hardcore wrestlers, right, well I guess he's fighting out of Dagestan, Russia, okay, yeah, so Connor's, Connor's digging, he's digging a little bit, you know what I mean, and so, there were talks that the press conference, right? Everyone wanted to see the press conference, right? Mainly because, you know, all that shit went down with the police and the dolly and all that extra shit, right? So, like, everyone wanted to see the press conference. Dana White announces that there's going to be a press conference. Which, to much of our delight, was going to be happening soon. Excuse me, I need to take a, take a drink. But to our dismay, we find out that it's not going to be public. And I was listening to Chael Sonnen's podcast, and he brought up a great point about it not being public and how that plays against Connor. Because that's Connor's strong suit. He plays to the crowd, right? Last few press conferences... Connor's been talking shit. If you include the Mayweather one, too, he's been talking shit. And with a crowd there, he feeds off that. You know what I mean? He's going to come in looking like a million dollars, dressed in either a nice-ass suit, fucking absurd-ass mink chinchilla coat or some wild shit, maybe dripping in jewels, gold, or whatever, right? Talking that big money shit, that big notorious Connor talk. And, that, and the crowd feeds off of that. We want to see that. We love that when he talks that talk. But you take that away, now you're left with Connor talking shit and Khabib just there waiting to fight. Which, I mean, that's cool too. But for entertainment value and for the sake of trying to sell the fight, you would hope that you would have some sort of environment similar to when Connor um, 
had that press conference before he fought Eddie Alvarez. Connor, before he had that first fight with Nick Diaz. No, not Nick, uh, not Nick Diaz. Nate Diaz. He didn't fight Nick Diaz. Definitely the Connor during the Jose Aldo press conferences. Like, everyone's grown to know, love, and most importantly, purchase that Connor McGregor. So we're not going to get that. But then this fool Connor puts out a tweet talking about the press conference is live. <clears throat> the, only, the cost for admission is one bottle of proper 12 whiskey, which is the whiskey that Connor is putting out. Is one bottle of proper 12 whiskey, bring two bottles, jump the line. <laughs> he said, my soldiers are going to be out front making sure that this goes down properly. See y'all at, I forgot where that shit's at. I believe it's in, uh, I believe it's in New York. Let's see where that, uh, that shit is. It's, it's happening Thursday, which is, uh, tomorrow. So it's happening tomorrow. And it's going, I believe it's in New York, if I'm not mistaken. Radio City Music Hall. Wow. Okay. So if you don't have it public, you're tripping. But at the same time, if you do have it public, that shit could get crazy because of everything that happened before. So if you don't have it public for safety reasons, I get that. You know, that makes a lot of sense. But if you have it open to the public, it's going to be a fucking zoo. Right? I don't know who's going to win this fight. Because really, I, what I've been listening to, I completely agree with. And it's that I believe that this fight is going to be completely one-sided. I just don't know which side it's going to go. Because it could go two ways, right? We saw Khabib. We saw Khabib fight. I think it was. Who did he fight recently? Let's see. I think. Uh, well, not Alaquinta. When he fought Alaquinta, he. I mean, he ran through Alaquinta. But um, when he fought. I think it was Johnson? Michael Johnson. When he fought Michael Johnson, he won. Like, he won by submission. In the third round, and he just beat him up. But he he was catching some hands. He was catching some hands from Michael Johnson. They didn't. I mean, they didn't do much, um, you know, because ultimately he still lost. But he was he was catching catching some hands from Michael Johnson, and so that's why the Edson Barbosa fight was so interesting because Edson Barbosa is, yeah, he's the illest striker in the lightweight division, straight up. Right, mainly kicks. Man, Khabib destroyed that man. So then that gave everyone notice, like, oh shit, like we thought this was the guy that was gonna be able to beat your ass. And he just walked right through him. Khabib just walked right through him. So then he fights Alaquinta as a replacement because Tony Ferguson injures his leg. Or uh, he tears his ACL. So, Alaquinta, who's a really good wrestler, right? He went the whole five rounds. 
He got beat up all five rounds. But he went the whole five rounds. So now you got Conor McGregor, who isn't as good of a wrestler as Alaquinta. Is not as dangerous with his feet as Edson Barboza, but is way better with his hands and has stronger, deadlier hands than Michael Johnson. So you start thinking, okay, Khabib could treat Connor like Michael Johnson because Michael Johnson's legs weren't that dangerous. But if Khabib tries to walk in the same way against Connor, we know Connor's hands. He gonna put that boy to sleep. Night night. Khabib's going to sleep and he's catching his first L in his career. Or if Khabib gets Connor McGregor down, he's just gonna beat his ass and beat his ass. For a few rounds. But see, that's the thing, right? So, everyone else, you can kind of just run. You kind of just slowly march through them. I don't think you could do that with Connor. Not saying that it's not possible because it's totally possible. Because the only the only knock on Connor is that his cardio isn't up there. At least for five rounds to, to be able to follow the output that he puts out in the first round, all five rounds, is going to be difficult. I think that fight with Mayweather really taught him about output amount as far as punches and just the the level of energy that you're putting out and how you can manage that energy for a number of rounds. I believe he went eight rounds with uh, Mayweather, which, I mean, that's a lot of fucking fighting, right? And he didn't pass out, I mean, but it looked like he was, you know, just about ready to. But I think that that right there taught him about how to conserve his energy. But if you think about it, if he can go eight in a boxing match, that really is like going five in UFC because boxing is just hands. You're moving in his hands. You're not like trying to lift anybody. You're not throwing kicks. You're not holding anybody. You're not trying to to control anybody on a ground, there's a lot more energy that you're putting out in UFC than it is, or not UFC, just MMA, rather, and martial arts than boxing. So we'll see how how much better his cardio has gotten. But if you're Khabib, you know, you beat him up for the first round and kind of dust him up. That second round, I'm still worried about catching that left hand. That straight left, that straight left is like Thor's hammer flying and hitting you in the face people get get fucking froze up with that left hand Connor throws so if Khabib can't can't get away from that left hand yeah he's going to sleep fam it's gonna be over real quick real real quick we don't even gotta break that down if Khabib can't block that left hand Connor's just gonna be teeing off on him and that's the thing too like Connor spent what, weeks and weeks leading up to that Mayweather fight working on just his hands. Just his hands. His hands are already crazy before all that. So then he goes in and he's working on just his hands. But you think his hands are just the same? Nah. His hands are probably crazier and he's going to be wearing lighter gloves. 
I'm excited to see that. How much of that boxing training translates over into this UFC stuff? That's what I'm curious about. I want to see how that goes down. And Khabib, honestly, is the best opponent to see that in action. Um, Sure, like there's other people, like maybe Anthony Pettis would be a better example because it's a little bit more dangerous. But Khabib just, you know, Khabib doesn't have hands like that. So the exchanges aren't going to be as exciting. But the combinations that Connor throws, that could be the part that everyone is going to be wanting to see. Because that's really the part that I want to see. I want to see that shit. I want to see what happens when fucking Connor is in front of Khabib and he hits him with that straight left bang, freezes Khabib, hook, bang, body shot, bang, straight left, bang, Khabib goes down. Now what? Like, Connor don't want to get down there with him? Pause. Like, that's a dangerous man to get on the ground with. So you just let him get his ass back up. Treat him like you did Nate Diaz in that second fight. Drop him. Get your ass up. Let's go. Da-da-da-da. Bow. Drop him. Get your ass up. Let's go. And you just keep going until you either reach a decision or you knock his ass out with a TKO. And I think that's what Connor's going for. Connor, I, I honestly think Connor would be fine going five rounds tagging Khabib until a TKO happens. I don't know if his camp is, is under the impression that they got to put this guy away early. I think that they just got to stay off of the ground. The less time they spend on the ground and the more time they, st- they stay standing up, the better advantage Connor has, one, for cardio, two, he kind of wins the battle on the feet, but then three, I mean, you're basically taking away what makes Khabib most effective, and that's that ground and pound and just draining your fucking energy, so I'm excited to see how this fight goes, I'm excited to see the shit talking that happens with, you know, this, this press conference coming up. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think that the fight could really turn into something turn into something spectacular. They say that this could be the highest grossing fight in UFC history as far as maybe sales, um, pay-per-view sales. And it could be. Uh, I just hope it lives up to the hype. If it doesn't, then, you know, we'll see how it goes. But the winner of Tony Ferguson, Anthony Pettis most likely could get a shot at Conor McGregor. The problem with that is Kevin Lee's waiting in the wings, and he just had a very, very impressive win in his last fight. So maybe Tony Ferguson, I don't know, because Tony Ferguson already beat Kevin Lee, so maybe you run that back. But if Conor beats Khabib, Khabib and Tony got to fight, and then Tony's got to fight Conor to get that belt back. If Conor loses... I say Connor, I don't know who Connor is going to fight, but if Connor loses and Tony Ferguson wins, yeah, you got to run that fight for the championship like we all wanted it, and that's a big fight right there. Connor versus Kevin Lee, I think the fight itself would be all right, but the press conferences and the shit talking would be the most entertaining. That's what I would do it for, but you know, hey, who am I? I'm just a fan.
my finest moment, but a moment I'll share nonetheless. If I could name this story something, I would name it New Year's Eve 2009. And if I were to put this story into a series of stories, I would call these stories the Hennessy Chronicles. Hennessy just, it tastes great. I love Hennessy. I love VSOP. I really like Privilege. Huge fan of the pure white. Went out of the country and you can get your hands on it. Like, I, I like cognac. Really, just Hennessy. I don't like Remy. I'm not a huge fan of Cavassier. Hennessy. So, that was the drink of choice for this New Year's. Now, this New Year's, this was the first New Year's that my sister and I got to spend together in a long time but then also the first new years that we got to spend together both being over the age of 21 <clears throat> or at least being 21 I think I was 22 she was 21 at the time and so we were actually out in San Diego which is really cool because we rarely get to spend like the winter holidays out there with our family in San Diego and every time we get to spend either Christmas and or New Year's out there it's always a fun time like our family out in San Diego knows how to party like they're all about the party so on this New Year's we had let's see I can count them out we had my cousin James his wife Hannah my cousin Shayla my cousin Natasha, I think her husband Eric was there, who else was with us, me, my sister, my cousin Andre, um, cousin Al, she, was Stevie there, I don't know if Stevie was there, but we had, um, we had limousines for the night and they had my cousins were going to some party mind you my my cousin Andre so just to give you a difference I'm the younger one I'm like the younger cousin uh, well not anymore I guess I'm in the middle now but at that time I me and my sis, my sister and I were on the younger side of our cousins so we were the ones fresh 21 everyone else was like five four or five years older than us so they're going to different types of parties. So like instead of just going to the club for the turn up, like we're going to this spot that's got like you can do food and dinner and then they have a separate locate like, you know, some grown, some black and grown type shit. Right. So we went we went to do that. We went just for the turnip. So we got limousines. We got two limousines to take us to and from our homes um, and the location. Right. So we're all having fun. We're having a great time drinking. You know, it's a blast. Happy New Year. Ring in the New Year. So now we're kind of like, all right, you know, what are we going to do after this? My cousin Andre was, uh, he had his own place at the time. Two bedroom, really, you know, nice apartment. We were going to have an after party over there. Like, cool, like, let's invite some people. So 
that's what we once we kind of decided like that's what we were gonna do I started pretty much promoting and inviting people to come over for the after party just you know get in contact with them and just keeping up with them now we get back this is where this is basically where the story gets started okay so we get back into the car back into the limo it's definitely not a car we get back into the limo and in our limo is uh, my cousin Shayla my sister me my cousin James his wife Hannah Alshi one other friend of, of Shayla I can't remember uh, her name but uh, she, she's, you know, family friend. I just can't remember her name at the moment. And then another girl that was there with her, I believe. Right? I'm trying... It was about 10 years ago. I'm trying to remember who this other girl was with. Because she's the one that gets to be the focus of this story, unfortunately. So we're in the limousine. And we're headed back to drop in everybody off and my sister drunk starts popping off right and they, you know that's just that's just what she does <clears throat> that's just what she does you know what I mean like it's in our blood she gets it from our father she just be talking shit right but just on some braggadocious real bravado type stuff talking shit you know what I mean it doesn't mean anything she's just she's just hyphy as we call it right she's just hyper hyperactive she's just you know poking her chest out flexing a little bit which is fine it's in for us it's entertaining because we get it to somebody else it may be an issue they may not like it and that's what was going on. So my sister, you know, just talking shit like, you know, because we're just we're just egging her on. Right. And at this time, my sister was doing a lot of traveling. She's living out on the East Coast. So we're bigging her up about, you know, being over on the East Coast, going to school and shit, you know, doing it big, going back and forth. And that's one thing you can't do is size my sister up like you don't need you don't need to do it you know what I mean like if she's already going don't egg it on because it's only going to get more and more ridiculous but that's what our family is doing because we find it entertaining and she knows we're egging her on so she's just trying to like get it to the highest level she possibly can and you know we're all feeling good we're excited you know we're all tipsy we had a great time we're with family we're riding in a limo we all look good like you know it's for us, it's a big thing. We we really, when all of us, on that side especially, when all of us come together, it means something to us, a great deal. Like, um, I'm sure a lot, a lot of, of you can relate, but, you know, not, it's hard to get, when you have a large family, it's hard to get everybody together. One, because everyone's so spread apart. Two, it's hard to get everyone to agree on everything. And three, sometimes there are issues amongst the larger group that make it difficult for the larger group to come together because sometimes you end up picking sides and there's segments and whatever right so to be able to get the majority of our cousins who at least want to go out and do these types of things to go out together especially for something like new year's 
it was just a spectacular evening and a really magical moment so all of us are just kind of riding a high you know what i mean we won the championship this is we're all we all are just full of energy and life and my sister's just exuding that with her shit talking not directed towards anyone necessarily until uh this girl who was in the car pretty much you know kind of just like hey you know we get it you know you ain't you know you ain't pretty much on some you ain't all that you know what i mean like it's great but you know chill out sit down now for now what the rest of my family understood that this young lady did not understand was that the more and more she began to talk the more and more it was going to be a problem for me And they don't know how I'm going to react, but they can assume that if I'm going to react any way like my father would, it's not going to be great for her. Not to say that I was going to put hands on her, but my father, you know, you want to talk that shit? Well, I'll talk that shit too. I don't give a a damn man, woman, child alien it didn't matter you're gonna talk that shit well i'm gonna talk that shit too who talks who talks the loudest right and then when it comes to family you gotta defend family and then what she didn't know is the relationship that i have with my sister is a very very unique and very special relationship anyone who's ever had to grow up essentially with with their sibling in the sense of kind of man what is going on outside Anyone that's ever had to grow up with their sibling through a significant amount of time where it's basically just you two spending a lot of time together. Maybe your parents work a lot and they're never home. Maybe it's a single parent home. Uh, You know, even more fucked up situations where, you know, there's no parent in the home. And either you got to raise, you know, your sibling by yourself or maybe you live with, you know, grandparents, aunts or something. You know what I mean? But... My sister and I have that kind of relationship. So I'm very protective of her, especially in these types of moments. And I'm on a high because it's New Year's Eve. And I feel like I'm protected because I got nothing but my family around me so I can say whatever I want. And I've been drinking Hennessy all night and it's about to go down. So they're going back and forth doing their little shit, talking or whatever. I'm just kind of chilling minding my business my sister can handle herself you know what I mean like I'm not worried about that you know what I mean like if anything they can go back and forth I don't think it was ever going to go to hands my sister's not really that type you know what I mean she's down to talk shit with you back and forth and that's it you know what I mean she's here for the shit talking we can we can verbally jab back and forth I'm here for that all day you want to throw hands it better be for a real reason and for what it was that was going on it wasn't even worth the fight I you know I'm assuming that's how my sister felt so she gets dropped off at my aunt's house a couple more of my cousins get out their cars are there or they're staying there and so we leave now in the car is uh James Hannah my cousin Shayla Alshi the girl my cousin Andre I believe, oh, Ricky, I believe Ricky was with us, shout out, shout out to the homie Ricky, Slick Rick, Ricky was in there with us, yeah, definitely Ricky was in there with us, because his laughing is what made this shit worse, so, so, um, 
my sister leaves and we start driving off now i'm me i'm thinking like it's over they were doing their little thing back and forth whatever whatever but this girl keeps talking and now she's talking about my sister without my sister being there so if my sister's there and you're talking shit about her to her and she can defend herself then so be it i'll let my sister defend herself she needs to be able to defend herself in those moments fine whatever now she's gone you know she's gone and you're still talking shit. I have a problem with that. So then now, I get into it with her. And if I'm not mistaken, the first words out of my mouth were, yo, who are you? Who, who even are you? Like, who invited you in here? Who, whose friend is this? Do any of y'all? I'm looking at my cousins now, knowing that they don't know her. Looking at the front, of, the front of the the car. Who is you? Know her? Who is this? What is? We don't even know your name. And so now she turns her attention on me, and we start talking back and forth. Granted, I don't remember what I was saying. I just know I was talking a lot of shit. I blacked out, spazzed out on her, and was just talking all types of shit, clowning her talking about she ain't nobody we don't even know you you lucky to be riding in this limo you probably ain't never rode in a limo in your life like you know just all this shit be mainly because she was talking shit about my sister and my sister wasn't there and i let that be known that the only reason i'm coming at you matter of fact and i said if i'm not mistaken i shouldn't laugh about this but it's funny If I'm not mistaken, I said, bitch, don't nobody even know who the fuck you are. We don't even know who you are, who brought you in here. And I'm only calling you a bitch because I don't even remember your name on some shit. But, I, you know, and it just, you know, Ricky's laughing and Ricky has a laugh that if you've ever seen Don't Be a Menace to Society while drinking your gin and juice in the hood, if you know about crazy was it crazy legs my nigga in the wheelchair that laugh that he had that <laughs> ricky has that laugh so as i'm clowning her i'm hearing this little laugh which makes it only funnier for me so now i gotta go even harder but now i'm getting upset because i'm upset i don't like getting upset but i'm upset because i'm defending my sister one of the few things that i absolutely love and cherish in this world so I'm just, I'm in it. The, the level just gets higher and higher and higher to the point where my cousin's just like, yo, Joe, you got to chill. My cousin Andre's laughing because he's like, he's laughing. He's just like, yo, you're killing her right now. He loves battle rap. So he's probably looking at this like it's my, it's my third round. And it's, you know what I mean? I'm just barbecuing her on some loaded luck shit. So like now I'm kind of just going off on her. We get to my cousin James's, uh, house and they leave and it's kind of quiet in the car you know what i'm saying nobody's really <laughs> nobody's really saying anything as we're going to andre's place we get to andre's house we got the after party right people are starting to show up we got the after party and <laughs> me being me right i catch her in the room i catch her in the kitchen by herself I catch her in the kitchen by herself and I go up to her right now. Everyone that was in the the car, they see this, right? And they're kind of like, uh-oh. Like, they're thinking I'm going to go in for, for some more, <laughs> right? 
which is funny because that's not my intention but I could I totally understand why they would think something like that but that's not my intention at all so I go into the kitchen and I apologize I apologize and it was like a half apology really because I I didn't apologize for going off on her I made it I made that clear I said I'm not apologizing for cussing you out or going off on you I was defending my sister and I would hope you'd be able to understand something like that but I do apologize for calling you a bitch I shouldn't have called you that I was out of line I knew it was out of line and I only said it to get a rise out of you get to jab at you because I felt like you were attacking my sister so for that I apologize but if I I do it all over again the same way if I had to because I had to defend my sister she was like no I get it she was like I appreciate you apologizing she's like no I get it she was like I got siblings too and you got to do what you got to do you got to defend your family like I get it she was like, but I appreciate you apologizing. So we dapped it up, you know what I mean? Took a shot and it was all good. And then there's some old head nigga that came through talking about we got to take shots of Hennessy, heat it up in the microwave. The fuck? Yo, what the fuck you talking about, old man? Hey, get him out of here. Get him out of here, man. And then, of course, in true, true fashion, the girl I ended up getting into an argument with ended up getting into an argument with my cousin because she did not want to leave and we were tired. It was like 3.45 in the morning. She ends up getting to it with him. He calls her a bitch, reminds her that his cousin cussed you out earlier in the night and that you ain't shit and then slammed the door in her face. So all in all, pretty good New Year's. Pretty good New Year's Eve, I'd have to say. 